0: Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. Show and Tell is a show where we like to bring on cool guests to talk about something cool that they're working on. And today we're going to be talking with Brandon Gutowski. And we're going to be talking about Freelancer's Guide. This is a brand new sci-fi heist RPG uh, that Brandon's working on that uses deck building mechanics instead of your standard polyhedrals, which makes it cool. All right, so uh, Brandon, welcome. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to talk to you because uh so I uh, I know we we've been working to get you scheduled to be on the show. One of the things that I so I really do love games that use different systems. All right, one of my favorite games is a game that uses cards instead of dice and I played that game for so long and so now then you said, hey, I'm working on a game that uses deck building. And I've never heard of a game that uses deck building. I've heard of games that use decks of cards. So I'm excited to talk. So, but before we really get rolling into what Freelancer's Guide is, we'd like to get to know our guests a little bit. So who is Brandon and what what's your history with games and what are you doing with games now?
1: Uh, so I think... Uh, I- I played video games pretty much is where I started with things, all throughout my childhood, and as a hobby, I started actually developing video games. Okay. Uh, I had some friends that we went and made a game that's actually currently on sale on Steam. It's not very good. Uh, you could tell by the amount of money that I have received, it's currently zero. You have to get $100 before you get that, uh, before you cash out any amount of money. But it was still fun, uh, and I found that while making it, I really liked, I really wanted to do more design and board games and card rpgs were allowed me to do that but uh i had never played an rpg before that until about college when someone was like let's go play fifth uh, fourth edition D and i'm like sure i've never done it let's try this uh and i was like well this is really fun like this is really interesting there's the mechanical side of just what decisions i can make character building, but then there's also the fact that I can then act out how that weird character interacts with other weird people, Um, and that was just, yeah, I I just really enjoyed that, and I think uh, I actually really only intended to make board games when I first started deciding to do design stuff, so I made a couple prototypes, but uh, I stumbled, to be honest, into rpg development i uh i play this game that you know a pretty well-known game called gloomhaven
0: okay all right so gloomhaven is one of those games where i know all about gloomhaven i've never played gloomhaven because gloomhaven is just like there's so it's an invest time investment to do that okay so gloomhaven so i think this helps this helps us get uh, you know a little bit of your design sensibilities all right so let's get back to it you found gloomhaven
1: yeah and then i as I was messing with, for those who know about it, there's the attack modifier deck. It's what you draw yep. that makes any one of your attacks more or less damage. I was like, okay. But you, as your character levels up, you get to swap cards into it. You get to put more, take out others, and that changes. Sometimes your attack will do plus one and add a wound or something, and you're like, cool, my attack is different. It's more exciting. I can see my character grow. I really liked that, and I went, wait, I can do this with playing cards. And then I can just replace... Die in RPGs. So then I spent my next couple lunch breaks at work messing around with a deck of cards, <laughs> going okay, a deck of playing cards. And I go, this is how many cards I can do. Okay, I want deck building, so I need to have less than the whole deck. And I just kind of went from there. uh And then I was like, I'm going to make a whole system with this. Okay.
0: So I want to ask you then. <laughs> so the you vid- you started with video game design. You kind of went just wanted to do board game, but kind of went to RPGs because that sounded like it hooked you better. So is yeah. there, what's the, what difference? Like, can you pick, like, the difference between designing a video game versus designing an RPG?
1: That is, that is a tough question. Yeah, it wasn't I, on the I, list of stuff I asked you either. So. <laughs> no, it's okay. This is good. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't the lead design on the video game, but I, I guess... After that I did game jams and was a little bit of a designer. I find that there's a lot more a lot more consideration for sort of technical limitations. I felt like at least when I was pr- programming the game I I spent a lot more time doing like does this is this possible with this functions or can we make this or sometimes it felt like you could do anything but this thing would take 50 hours and this thing would take two. And you go, well, okay. the 50 hour one isn't that much more fun than the two. And if we play it over and over and over again, uh, th- those are some of the things I noticed when, as a, from a designer perspective, right? Okay. Uh, that as makes for, sense. As for considerations, I think video games can be a lot more complex it does a lot more of the work for you right like a video game's going to go and figure out where your bullet's going to go it's going to figure out what body part it hits but in video in board games and rpgs i personally i don't like those systems in my game because it's just too much busy work there's only so much that a player you want to a player to expect to handle and it depends on the player some players can handle more some players can handle less before it's like too much and not fun you want to get that sweet spot of what's the right amount of complexity uh versus like the right amount of freedom and each player's different
0: knowing okay that makes sense it sounds like you would have more more design constraints within video games then so i mean that to me that kind of checks out
1: yeah i i think the design constraints are different i don't know if there's one or more i'm not good in like i don't have enough experience in To be honest, either of the two designs, I think, I think I could have another like 10 years of experience in both designs before
0: I could accurately answer this question. All right. So in 10 years, we'll ask you again. All right. So we got to ask. So now, so let's talk about Freelancer's Guide then. All right. This is the new game you're working on. So what is the elevator pitch for Freelancer's Guide?
1: uh freelancer's guide to a profit focused living is a deck building tabletop role-playing game about making a living in a megacorp ruled galaxy you and your crew will create great plans like in movies like oceans 11 and now you see me and then execute those plans like the characters and shows cowboy bebop
0: and firefly it's very concise and i think with that i think people understand what type of game they're getting but within that statement there's a lot to break down all right so One of the things that I like to talk about first before really talking about mechanics is I like to talk about the world that an RPG lives in. Because I feel like so often that's what hooks people. Right. So I agree. What can you tell us about the world and the the fluff of Freelancer's Guide? What sort of world are the characters going to be living in?
1: Um The galaxy that is pretty much wholly controlled by uh, a number of megacorps. Um, I have a list of five that you'll, that are currently in the game that control different aspects of it. They have their own uh, their own currencies, their own script that you'll do different jobs for and uh, earn it. It's, it. it's about trying to no longer be beholden to that corporate lifestyle, that corporate drone lifestyle. And you go and be your own freelancer that takes jobs with any of them, to do mostly bad things to the other. Uh, that's sort of how it plays out. But sometimes you don't have to take a job from any of the major ones, and you'll work at some of like the lower non-major corporations. But it's a lot of that. Um, I don't. Know, I guess at first it wasn't this and anti- that this very like I don't know the, the subreddit anti-work has been showing up yeah. on the front page. It started to pick up more of those vibes as I realized, like, that really does fit this
0: world. Oh, it's so relatable to people, I feel like. Yeah. Nobody... I mean, sure, some weird people love work and love going to work for the man, but, like, it is so relatable. <laughs> there's something cathartic about and doing that, and I think one of the things with RPGs is it allows you to, you know, live out these fantasies and there's... I mean, r slash anti-work is like a fantasy for a lot of people, all right, to be able to yeah. post on there. So the what is the motivation then? I know there's lots of different motivations for characters then, but when you're thinking about a character in, uh, in Freelancer's Guide, is it just, I know you mentioned profit, is it just to make a profit or is it, or can you play a character that is like really wants to take down these corporations?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, so I'll use my playtest group because they have a pretty diverse group. Uh, one of them's main goal was to take down Big River uh, or space Amazon. For those that want to match the real the p- p- people I'm satiring off of, yeah, he decided his character, uh, his character and his village was taken out or was used as test subjects by Big River to determine if they could make his species get altered powers. The space magic. Uh, it was successful. It killed his entire village, but his character got altered powers. So now he's decided that he's going to take down Big River as uh, as a response. So yeah, he's been he's been going through different steps to slowly like build first first build up their ships and base and like their assets, but now they're he's in the position to like work with another company to start tearing down their
0: infrastructure. Okay, so you can go a few different ways with it. Then, so is this a is this a post Earth universe? Is Earth exist? Is this a different universe? Earth not exists? Because I think that provides a good frame of reference for people when it comes to science fiction. Where's Earth?
1: Uh, it exists. I I've noted it as the human capital. Uh, other than that, everything else is like I keep. I keep world building in the book um, a little I'd say a little light. I don't have giant paragraphs written about this one location here. I uh, let's see if I, I could pull up actually a different way that I I do this, but it's a lot more um, short paragraphs describing the high points and details of like the of the species or of the mega corporations. Uh, And then I I let you fill in the rest, because in my opinion, the world really comes alive when you start to live in it. And I don't want to I want to give you just enough of like a road to go on or maybe just enough of a parking lot to be in. But then you fill in the rest.
0: Okay, so let's talk about your previous games then that you've played in. All right. So you said you played fourth edition. All right. All right. That was kind of where you started, but as you've kind of played RPGs over the last few years, would you say that, do you prefer then like sandbox style games then?
1: Okay. I actually, I asked this question to my uh, D and D group when I was playing D and D before I made this. Uh, And I, I asked like, what different style of game do you, do you guys all enjoy? And because I was, uh, D, I was DMing it at this time, and one of the questions was like, "Give me, give me a story, and like, uh, knock me back onto the railroad when I get too far off." And that's what most of them picked. Another one was like, "Give me a general direction." It was like more of a wider, like a wider road, but like still have a story going there. And then there was the like the Mass Effect style where there's like the major points of like this is when an event happens, this is when the next event happens, this is when the next event happens and then in between those little events you can do a lot of different open world sandboxing. Yep. And then there's just the I'm going to go I'm going to go play Skyrim and I'll start by trying to be a dragon killer but instead I'm going to build a house and find a family and then end the game because I didn't end up killing dragon but now I have a house. Like there's those different steps. I'm the Mass Effect style. Here's the bubble, here's the event, here's the bubble. Everyone else was more closer to that railroad. Uh, I prefer the Mass Effect style. I prefer that sandbox, major event, sandbox, major event. And that's what I try to inspire.
0: So then, so let's say we sit down at a table to play Freelancer's Guide. Like, what do you, can you tell us a little bit, like, in in your minds, all right, you have the perfect group of players. What does a session a freelancer's guide look like then
1: um we've already decided the mission the previous time so we know what we're going to be doing i start off and i ask a couple questions about um a mission we're gonna we're gonna there's like i've broken the mission into different phases or different stages sorry and then the first planning phase of the first stage we are going to ask a couple questions like you know that there's a giant uh Sentry robot that patrols the outside of the complex. How did you plan on dealing with that? Or, uh, the gate scanning thing will catch any of the weapons that you're trying to smuggle in. How did you plan to get past that? And I ask a couple questions like that and let the players talk about it, depending on how much the player players enjoy that planning. My current group enjoys it a lot. They spend about 30 minutes doing that. In conventions, I usually keep it to about 10 minutes. That tells us what what scene we're gonna go and do. And let's say they talked about the robot, and they go, um, "Yeah, we we did something earlier. This is not gonna like it. It's gonna get stuck on this side of the uh, complex for a while. We're gonna be able to get past it, but the scanner is gonna be more of a problem. So it's okay. Now we're gonna execute the scanning phase. We're gonna actually go and do that part, and we're gonna play that one out. And then in that phase, people start. Uh, people have made a couple checks in the planning phase, like. Um, they've stored they've stored a weapon inside their arm or something and it can't be scanned or something like, we've got it set here I already got this, in, this uh, cybernetic arm installed they won't be able to see my weapon there the other person is like we sent a couple of our items through a delivery truck earlier and then like that's the those checks will show up later as we go through and play out that uh, that actual like scanning phase and that like breaking into the complex and then we go and play the next phase and after we will do or sorry at next stage and actually we do all stages for that mission uh it's downtime so i'd say we play about two stages in a, in a three-hour session and then our downtime stage everyone's like okay we're done mission successful. we've collected our money people start telling me what they're going to do like what items they want to buy what people that they've already, like what contacts that they know, what they're going to talk about. We might do a little bit of role playing with their contacts. And then finally, we end it with a recon where we talk about the next mission we're going to go and do. And I say, uh, here's, you guys have five days, five days to look into this uh, illegal mailing ring. What are some of the, what do you, it's the thing you want to do on the first day? And then they'll offer up a skill that they'll all, people will say like, I'm going to uh go to the gym and try and meet some of the people who also work in the mailing ring, but we're going to go and work out and I'm going to become workout buddies with them." And it's like, okay, cool, that that informs me that there are people at the mailing place are workout, or they're all gym rats. Boom, that's already established now. And that's how we'll go through the recon phase. And then from that, I spend the time off prepping the next session based on what we just did in the recon.
0: I really like that there's a there's a meta sense to that that your players are helping to contribute to the yeah. session planning um uh, yes. I think that's I think that really allows them to sink their teeth into what you actually do at the table, which I think is cool I think you got that's a cool loop there so we talked a lot about the world and um how a session may look, but are we really we've not even talked about like the deck building aspects all right so <laughs> All right, so what I want to ask you then is you have this C22 system that you're using for Freelancer's Guide. This is a system that you created, correct? Yes. Okay, so what is the C22 system? What is the backbone here of Freelancer's Guide?
1: You have every every player for every character. Every character is represented by a deck of 22 cards. Um, At the start, it's the 2s, 4s, 5s, 6s, and 8s. And then both jokers. You need a red and a black joker. Very important. And then as you will... Like, you'll do your draws and your cards will come up. uh, And when the joker shows up, you're going to shuffle your deck. That is how the deck resets. So you have a little bit of a memory with the deck, but it doesn't last that long. And then as you gain levels or draw the black joker, because the black joker allows you to upgrade your deck as well. You'll take a card of one number and put in a number of one higher. So let's say you'll take out an eight of spades and you can put in uh, a nine of clubs. So now your character has a little bit more clubs in it than it has spades. And you'll continue to do that as you level up. Um, instead, instead of adding these uh, number cards, you can instead add face cards. This will be the jack or you'll add the jack first sorry and then you can swap out the jack for a queen swap out the queen for a king and those thing those face cards allow you later on as you get better to change the suit of the card that comes out so that gives you a little bit of control like you'll be holding on to three jacks and then you're doing a check that requires diamonds so you pull out the jack of diamonds from where you've stored it and now this is whatever number you've drawn is now that number of diamonds
0: gotcha so the th- so basically, the suits, from what I've been able to gather, the suits represent different attributes. Yes. That you may have. Okay. So, what makes what makes deck building what makes deck building good for role playing games? Then, uh, for me, it's the deck building. The deck
1: building adds another layer of meaningful choice. It definitely makes the game more crunchy, uh, and some people like that. I'm one of those people. Um, But again, it's not for everybody that adding more crunch is not necessarily things everybody enjoys. But I think that the additional meaningful choice of what, like an additional way to represent this character that you spent so much time creating, mechanically representing them, not just being like what backstory you've decided to written, but you can now have, instead of just, like, people like to choose. Color of the die that they have, right? Like these, this character is these purple and yellow dice. Well, now I have a deck of cards where I can mechanically choose. This person actually has a bunch of clubs in the deck, uh, very few spades, and uh, quite a few diamonds as well. Those are the the things I really want in this character. Now you have a way to represent your character as powerful and social, uh, but they're not that quick and they're not that resilient. Those are the two things that you've decided to give up in this case. That mechanically is one of the reasons why I, I really like the system. Also, you can then customize what deck you want and instead like for example, you can have like Pipmen or or Moose or cats to represent your character because uh, <laughs> there's a bunch of decks nice. and cards out there.
0: So, no, I do like the idea of like I said, I've never I've never heard of a deck building game before, and it really does instead of myself and what I was as I was reading, what it was evoking for me was instead of me just adding numbers on my character sheet as I leveled up, creating my deck, that felt more like my character than my character sheet. Like, you know, like yeah. you were kind of saying, yes. if I wanted to be a super strong character, I then add a bunch of diamonds to my to my deck. And now I'm as I'm playing the game, I have more diamonds. Which makes sense because I'm a strong character, so I'm more likely to succeed on things that require strength. Yes. So it's it's simple. I'll, I, yeah, I just I love deck building board games. <laughs> All right. I really do. I do too. I did too. One of my side, this is like one of my side. I love going on these little side tangents. I'll do you follow have it. a favorite deck building board game? What's your favorite deck oh. builder, maybe? <clears throat> For the longest time,
1: it was. It was Dominion. We played a lot of... Such a classic. Yeah, we played a lot of Dominion. I think Ascension might be now. Or, yeah, I think Ascension is probably my new favorite deck builder. Uh, And I guess I'll just give a shout out to Smash Up, because it's close to a deck builder, but it's not necessarily.
0: I hate Smash Up, because I lose every time. So no, um, (laughs) That's fair. What do you think is there... What do you think drawing cards does for you at the table that dice don't
1: so in normal skill checks when you draw a card like it's going to act the same as rolling a die but you are going to feel like drawing a card feels a little different i just that one i can't really explain but if you've done it enough you know if you played magic the gathering you know (laughs) but uh they're also once you've drawn a couple you start to get this like history and one of my first convention playtests. uh I had this family that was playing with me and one of the 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 daughters was drawing cards and she'd made it down to like the last five cards and we hadn't seen either any of the jokers but you can like look there and go like it's coming one of those jokers is coming and you're just waiting because you know that the like the critical fail is gonna come and it's going to happen or the critical success and that that's kind of exciting but also the fact that like again looking at that memory of the cards that are out you can go like guys i'm i'm tapped on strength i have four uh, diamonds cards out here uh and two of my or three of my eights are out here guys i i'm probably going to fail at a, a lot of things you can kind of see that and you can in a way plan accordingly but at the same time like or you could just draw the joker it resets the whole thing and then you're back so that's that's something that, that the dice can't do. And then on top of that, uh, I have a different mechanic for encounters where you'll draw two cards at the start of your turn and then plan your turn using the two cards as one of the each action, main actions that you have. And that that's a lot more tactical. It's If you've ever played um, Dead of Winter, it's a little bit more like you have your numbers out that you can kind of plan what actions you're going to do with a lot more depth because a card contains a lot more information than a, a, a die.
0: No, I love that. It, it I love games that ev- can evoke very specific feelings at the table with their mechanics. So this, I mean, this sounds super cool, but you kind of talked a little bit as about the tactical nature. Um, I know you've, you've, you started with fourth edition. Uh, so I know that that maybe not necessarily informs all of your design, principles but I know 4th edition's known for being like the crunch system. So how would you describe like in the metric of like RPG crunch and tactical? Where does where does the C22 system and Freelancer's guide where do you where would you put that as far as a tactical game? How would you describe it?
1: C22 specifically when used with fantasy settings is is tactical. Uh, it okay. it's close to the area of like maybe not as tactical as Gloomhaven, but it gets closer to that. Um, Freelancer's Guide because guns do your health in damage. Combat lasts one or two rounds, so the tactical nature of it is more about the plan beforehand. So it's it's a different it's a different kind of tactical. And if the team doesn't, like, if the group doesn't like the planning part, then it's not tactical because you just, you just cowboy bebop it. You just
0: go for it. Full yeah. send. Um, No, no. So I definitely got reading it was that not necessarily that the game itself was tactical, but there's a lot of thought that yes. you can put into how you build your deck. Yes. So was that purposeful then? Yes. Okay, meaningful choice is one
1: of the things that I cared the most about uh, when I was building the system. It's one of the things I enjoy the most, and I, I obviously this is for the player to decide. But I think I put a lot of meaningful choice in the game, and I wanted I wanted the suits that are in your deck to matter. That it has to matter, or the deck is not any better than a die. So it has to matter that you have seven diamonds in your deck rather than, like, two club, or rather than five clubs. Like, that that has to matter. And because of that, what you put in your deck is meaningful.
0: I mean, I, I'm all for, like... It just... Yeah, I, I just want to... For me, I doesn't, don't necessarily enjoy, like, very crunchy games. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right. But with that said, one of my favorite things about... Uh, crunchy games is making my character and finding a way to make my character the exact way that I want to make them. And so I guess that's more of like uh like a system mastery kind of yeah. I love that aspect of games. So uh yeah, no so that's that's like that's that's hitting a good it's hitting a good note for me. Uh, I
1: like yeah. that. I I personally also love system like the system mastery. I love a game that I can get better at and I do see that with this game. And I think the biggest biggest crunchy pr- part of the game is the fact that I have to teach people how to roll dice, right? Like I have a deck of cards and I have to spend two or three oh. pages teaching you how to use this die. Other people don't have to. It's just like roll the die. There's a number. I go, well, this is how it's set up and this is what's here. Once that's learned, it takes about a session, maybe about an hour or two. People figure that out most of the like crunch is gone. You've, you've gotten past it. But that's always been, honestly, that was the biggest challenge with this is I had to run a lot of tests just to go like, oh, this should be this way or this needs to be this way because it's, it's too complex.
0: Got, yeah, I didn't even think about that because yeah, most people are used to rolling dice. When it came to wanting to use cards, I guess really what I want to get to is, was it Gloomhaven then that was really like the impetus for doing this then?
1: Gloomhaven showed me that it was possible. And I kind of wanted to play more Gloomhaven. So, but I wanted to also role play my character. In Gloomhaven, you don't really role play your character. You just puzzle your way through a dungeon, which is fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Gloomhaven. But I, yeah, I think I really wanted to play the role playing aspect of the roleplaying game.
0: Okay. Got, this is perfect then. So this is. This is for all the people like myself who like the idea of Gloomhaven but don't want to play Gloomhaven, right? Fair, yeah, that's fair.
1: Okay, I don't understand okay, gotcha. that okay. that viewpoint, but i I could I could see. Yeah,
0: it's it's there. Okay, all right. So no, that's great. So I want to ask you then. So uh, Freelancers Guide. So what's your plan then, as far as uh, getting this game? produce all right uh you kind of in our conversations had mentioned kickstarter is this still plan what yeah. do you when can people expect to to get freelancers guide and how can they do that
1: and it will be uh i've got a kickstarter i'll set up the preview page is actually open right now uh, as of recording this and uh 2 2022 okay
0: that's a very memorable date especially for because it's for the c22 system (laughs) oh it's clever that's clever okay all right You get bonus points okay so what's your goal what's your like what is your i know the monetary stuff can change so so often with when it comes to games but like what is like pie in the sky what are you trying to what's the goal for this kickstarter what would you like to see i I need i want
1: to finish the art for the book because i have a free version that's out right now um, it's about 106 pages, so like it's almost the whole game, <laughs> but yeah. I have that out on Drive through and Itch that people can download right now. But I want to get more art into this. I want to get. I've got. Uh, I've got some people who I know are really good layout artists. I know that I have uh, problems catching my own editing mistakes, so I want another pass or two, just of editing. Uh, so those are the big things just to kind of bring that extra level of polish that I can't do myself. Uh, and then I'm also going to be paying for, I think eight different ship designs because I think ships are an important like aspect of we've made it. We own our own ship now. So I want yes. to put pictures like actual tech, like grid maps of a ship in the game. So you can then print them out and be like, this is
0: my room. I live here. Oh, that is okay. <laughs> I've played a lot of science fiction games. I run. I mean, I haven't. I run them. All right. In every <laughs> single one I've run, the players want a ship.
1: Of course. I mean, it makes
0: sense. At all science, good science fiction movies, TV shows, everybody's got a ship. So I'm, that's smart. So that's, that's
1: cool. So yeah, that's my my uh, base goal. If you want my dr- dream big, that would be yeah. I'd get some. I'd get some bases drawn too. I want some base maps. I want. Uh, I haven't decided yet if I want species drawings in or not, to be honest. I like my descriptions. Uh, I want two more companies. I want to be able to make two more companies. Uh, I want to make a Discord bot that actually plays the game. So you can okay, that,
0: play it in Discord. <laughs> that would Okay, so that's cool because I, I feel like there's a lot of different digital tools that people could be using that they're not necessarily taking advantage of right now. Um, everybody just kind of focuses on that virtual tabletop, and I don't necessarily think that's the best way to go about things every time. So I think it's interesting that you're uh, a, a going the route of a Discord bot because I haven't seen well, that before. Well, uh, once like if I can
1: get it, if I can get the whole thing coded and into a Discord bot, it's it can easily be just put onto a web page as well. Like that code exists, it'll be fine. Uh, that. I just need something that people can play it online, that is not play necessarily playing cards.io so that it can be, like, more easily like all the you know the essentially the die can be rolled for yourself. The cards can run themselves most of the time, so you don't have to know all of those rules as much. But also just being able to play it online more easily okay. than how I currently do it.
0: Okay. Okay. Now that makes sense because yeah, like you're saying, it's I mean there's lots of dice rolling bots. For discord but you because you have a very specific system you got to make that yourself so that's okay um and then i guess really is this then a were you planning on is this going to be a print book then yeah cool i mean i mean obviously i mean that i mean everybody loves a a good polished you know printed book so that's super cool it'd be really great so to i guess so have one in my hand be like i made this Okay, I mean, like I, like you said, though, you've got the kind of like some playtest rules and you've got a lot of stuff there and it feels complete, yeah. so. Yeah, so. It's, you could play it. <laughs> uh, hold on, I wanted to ask you this too. I completely forgot about this. This feels like a game, not that all designers don't put a lot of thought into their games, but me reading this, it felt like you've been working on this for years, all right? It just had that, very thoughtfulness to it um so i wanted to ask you then how long have you been working on this game
1: uh 2018 february is when i started messing around with the deck of cards okay
0: gotcha that's that's i mean
1: that's a significant amount of time the the srd was done about two years after that so that was the whole core and then i realized that people don't fall in love with mechanics they fall in love with settings and stories yeah so freelancer's guide was the first one that I decided to make
0: it's so it's so true Uh, I I think it's I mean there's a lot of cool systems and stuff but at the end of the day people like the fluff that's the selling point so what story what world can I live in I mean 100% correct okay I mean that's I mean it sounds awesome brandon so i guess before we wrap things up then is there is there like one like thing that you have encountered as like a designing role-playing games like what would you say has been like a a hurdle here like as far as like going to produce a game is there something you can say like this is really hard marketing okay explain
1: uh I, I don't, I don't really, like, I didn't really Twitter until July of this year. I'm still not, it's just not my, my thing. I would prefer to sit and just design something and work and live in my own little world of a story that I'm making. But, um, I, I feel like I'm being annoying actually, if I'm posting too often, if I'm posting the same thing too many times, but that's how marketing works because, you know, if you posted it eight o'clock and then post it again at two o'clock different people see it so that you're not annoying them necessarily and how would how would somebody who you know actually wants to play this who actually would enjoy this see it if it's not shown i just don't i just don't like it
0: Hey, you're not alone. I feel like that is like the big marketing is huge. I mean, I mean, as some people who run a podcast, I mean, we do with the same thing. So I think the you're, I mean, just you know, uh, just more people need to be on podcasts. <laughs>
1: that's that's the truth. I
0: I learned that. That's what. Yep. You guys are no, great. No, no. So I think that's a, that's a good step. I mean, yeah, marketing is crazy huge. So I guess before we wrap up, then is there one last thing? people need to know about freelancer's guide
1: i i do want to talk actually one more one more thing about the character about the deck representing your character that I didn't get to talk about yeah go uh, for it there's this is more important in freelancer's guide but there's a mechanic that you can reduce the damage that you take by taking cards out, out of your deck you'll take remove the top two or three cards from your deck you reduce three three damage and put it over in like a a removed pile and that doesn't come back until you actually can get healed in like downtime so in a way you're sacrificing your character to not
0: take damage right now and not die oh that's cool but you don't know what those cards are (laughs) that adds a real physicality to the game yeah no that's super cool so no i dig it so much brandon thank you so much for coming on the show uh, where can people, speaking of marketing, where can people <laughs> find you on the internet? Uh, I'm at C22System on Twitter. Uh,
1: there's also a link to my Discord there, which is probably where I'm the most active. Uh, my website is C22System.com. That has the SRD that you can download or to read for free. If you sign up for the mailing list, you also get access to some of the downloads that I have on there. Uh, and then search freelancer's guide uh, on either itch.io or drive through rpg to get the free version and then finally kickstarter uh actually i don't know where i put the kickstarter link hopefully it'll be in this video somewhere (laughs) uh because that's coming in two weeks
0: okay awesome yeah no if we will include it in our show notes for sure so Uh, Brandon, once again, thank you so much for uh, joining us. As always, listeners, this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Bezkartom. Yes, it's Mandalorian Metal Tom. Uh, And do not forget, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks, everyone.
2: Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or RPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus mini invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook,